all the planning in the world will not overcome the culture in your parish, how people treat one another. And so if you don't get that really right, you have all the best plans in the world and they're going to be useless. And the truth is, sometimes we feel like we're a victim to the culture we inherit as leaders, but we're not. If we start to lead intentionally and well and begin to lead out of a team and create an organizational structure where people are cared for and supported so they can flourish, so they can be great, guess what? We can change the culture of a parish. And I know that's what everybody wants, but we don't know how. It must be led. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. Helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Huntley, and I want to talk to you today about an incredible learning that I've received this past year through the travel I've done in ministry. It's given me some insight into the church, into leadership, and I need to share it with you because I think it's going to blow your mind and answer a lot of the questions or maybe put, make sense of where we find ourselves today as a church as we struggle to bring our parishes to life in a way that changes everything. And so I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. And maybe before I get started, I want to tell you about a really cool conference that uh, I'm going to be a part of. It's called the Leadershift Conference. It's going to be for two days. If you're watching on YouTube, this is up on the screen right now. If not, go to YouTube and look at it. Uh, but it's going to be happening in conjunction with Alpha USA and a parish that I've partnered with in St. John, Indiana with Father Sammy Maletta. You know, sometimes, you know, just like when I was at St. Benedict and we held that conference, going to a place that's actually doing it is just the coolest thing. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to see it and taste it, to talk to the people that are working on the ground and the key volunteers who are laying down their lives to bring about uh, God's kingdom, his glory. It, despite having children and really important jobs and being busy, and when you get to see people that are working together like that, rowing in the same direction, and the impact they're having on people's lives who otherwise didn't know Jesus, my heavens, it's expiring. So St. John Parish in St. John, Indiana is a place where we're going to host it. You can go to www.discipleshiftconference.com and uh, the early bird pricing's on now. And so um, go to that page and and I, I hope to see you at that conference because it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we need to take time to go talk with others, be with others, and see what impact looks like in a parish, not just little pieces of it. That somebody does one thing really good, somebody does something else really good. I remember my son, he's an ice hockey player, and growing up, I remember watching him and uh, I wasn't a very good ice hockey player. I played, but I just wasn't very good. And I was talking to my uh, brother-in-law who was very good. And we were watching my son in tryouts. And he told me something, his name is Kevin. He said, you know what, Ron, you know what it takes for a player to get to the next level? I said, no. 
never really made it to the next level. He said they have to be as good as everybody else at everything and better than everybody else at one thing. Think about that. They need to be as good as everybody else at everything and better than everybody else at one thing. That's what's going to get them noticed and bring them to the next level. I think to myself, so often in churches, we say, how's your church? Well, it does a re- has a great soup kitchen. Well, that's good. And I mean really good. But how's the liturgy? Uh, how's your tool for evangelization working? You know, how, 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 is, how, how are you onboarding people in ministry? You know, how's the music? Uh, how's your RCIA program? Are you raising up disciples through your schools or your religious education program that's working? How's your children's ministry? Do t- parents want to come to church because their kids have so much fun and they get to worship God on Sundays or are they babysitting their kids and feeding them Cheerios because they're just trying to keep them quiet? Like, are you addressing all the needs and then maybe your soup kitchen's better than everybody else? I guess what I'm saying is we have to really strive to be great, be very good at so many things if we're going to make church matter. So come to the conference. It's a long way of saying come to the conference. It's in the Midwest. If you're anywhere near that area, come. Uh, Alpha's going to be doing one of those days. Bring your Unlocking Your Parish book. Bring your questions. I'm going to be there to answer them and talk to you. Josh Dennis is an amazing speaker, an amazing Catholic man and author who will be speaking as well. Uh, Father Samuel Maletta is wildly inspirational. He's been at that church for 20 plus years. Come see what that looks like. Um, and it's going to be a ton of fun. So I'm going to leave it at that. But please uh, make the time to come and uh, experience the conference. So let me tell you what I've learned. I want to talk to you about kind of the, the word leadership, but reclaiming the word leadership. Why would we have to reclaim the word leadership? Well, here's what I've discovered. I spent some time in Italy in the past couple of months. And I was asked to do some ministry in two different parts of Italy. And I remember them saying to me, Ron, we don't have a word in Italian for leadership. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, it used to be El Duce, but El Duce is what we used to call Mussolini. And he was a dictator and that didn't go so well. And so, you know, it's like, it's almost like an insult. Uh, you're an El Duce. No, you're an El Duce. It, it, it's like the word has been stolen and therefore they don't have a word for it. And so it was like, well, I'm here to actually talk about it. How am I going to talk about something you don't have a word for? Well, well, you can use the, the, the English word because they were translating for me. I said, okay. But the problem is the English word, they just associate that with, you know, North American power-hungry egomaniacs that want to make a lot of money and control people. <laughs> okay, that's better than El Duce? Like, that, that, that seems equally unhelpful. And then somebody said, well, you could always use the word servant leader. And the guy said, yeah, you could, but people see the word servant as weakness. And so when you say servant leader, they just think pansy. And I'm thinking, oh, for the love of Pete, like, what are we going to do? But you know what I found out? That that's not just a problem for Italy. It's the same problem for Germany. You know, the word they used for leaders, the word that, that, that they called Hitler. And guess what? That didn't work out so well. And so it's killed the word. And, and then I was telling my Chinese friends that experience, and they're like, this is the same thing in China. I'm like, you have got to be kidding. And so 
I've often said at times in frustration, it's like the church doesn't even know leadership is a thing. Well, think about the impact that Italy has on the Roman Catholic Church. It isn't insignificant. It's ginormous. And they don't have a word for it. At least not one that they can feel comfortable with and unpack it. And so I, I found myself in quite a dilemma <laughs> going to speak about leadership and its impact on parish renewal and not having a word. And so I had to back it up. And I'm going to take you through the thinking because, you know what, so often in the church all over the world, and certainly in the English-speaking world, we don't do leadership particularly well. And it's not taught in the seminaries. And so it's problematic. Now, it's okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. And, and for me, I didn't have a hang-up with leadership because I grew up playing sports. I knew what it meant to have captains to look up to and assistant captains to look up to, people who had character, effort, passion that inspired everybody around them. And so I didn't have any hang-ups with the word leadership. I knew what it looked like, and I knew how important it was to win. But so often in the church, I'm not sure that we know that there's a game going on <laughs> and there's souls at stake and we have an enemy, we have an adversary and it's, it's the devil. And, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, you're making up this, you know, for those of you that might not believe in the devil, it's like, oh boy, Jesus talked about him an awful lot. So if you believe in Jesus, then you're going to need to believe in the devil. So think about that for a minute. But at the end of the day, souls are perishing and we know it. I ran, ran into a lady one day who wasn't Catholic. She used to be Catholic. And she knew what I did for a living, so she kind of got a little defensive and <laughs> went, went on the offense, which I, I was not giving her a hard time. But she said, I take my boys to church. I said, good for you. She said, they don't want to go. I said, oh, okay, yeah, that's not uncommon. She said, but when they give me a hard time, do you know what I tell them? I said, no. I tell them, I bring you to church so that you'll get to know Jesus, so that when the devil comes after you later on in life, you'll know the difference. Wow, what a cool mom, because <laughs> he's going to, and we see it all the time. But I guess the, the point is that we have an opportunity to inspire, to motivate, to work together, to collaborate, to win souls for Christ, to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what winning looks like. And so making new Christians in your church is a part of winning. It's a part of being fruitful. And it's not just a minor part. It's an important part. And it's going to take leadership. And it's going to take us um, reclaiming words that have been lost. Years ago, <laughs> friends used to tell me, Ron, you'd be really good at sales. Now, <laughs> what are you thinking right now? If I said to you, hey, you know what? You'd be really good at sales. I found it was an insult. Why? Because we think, you know, as soon as you think of sales, what, what type of salesperson do you think of? Used car salesman. Now, I love buying used cars, so there's nothing wrong with used car salesmen. Thank goodness for them. But they, it comes with a, a definition, a cultural definition that's not one that you're excited about. And so, or that I was excited about. So I felt it was an insult. It's kind of like, hey, you're an El Duce. No, you're an El Duce. Oh, yeah, you're, you're a salesman. No, you're a salesman. <laughs> like it, it, it had that same connotation to me. And, and one time when I moved away after university, I went to Calgary. And I used to love fitness equipment. I used to love exercise and, and working out. And so there was an opportunity to work for a, a little company, just the owner in the store, to sell fitness equipment. And I love fitness equipment so much that I applied for the job. I learned a lot about sales. But the thing he said to me, Ron, do you know the difference between a salesperson and a professional salesperson? I said, no, I thought I, didn't, I wasn't differentiating. 
He said, a salesperson will do everything they can to make a sale to make money, to drive their own best interest. But a professional salesman gets to know the client to understand their needs and see if they can match what they sell to their needs to create a win-win situation. When they can't, they advise them to go somewhere else. And I thought, I want to be a professional salesman because that had ethics. It was noble. It was focused on the client and it wasn't focused on me. And that met my value system. I got really excited about being in sales. And so people were right. I was actually really good at it and I enjoyed it. It was a wonderful profession. I went on to be in pharmaceutical sales and I really, really enjoyed that, that career. My point is, what do people think about when they think about the word leadership? We need to reclaim the word. So here's what I said to those people. And I want to share this with you because I think it's so important. In John chapter 13, um, Jesus, it's, it's the, John's version of, of the Last Supper and the washing of the feet. And I think it's so cool because at one point it says, the evening meal was in process um, and the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon is scary to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things in his power and that he came from God and was returning to God. What's your self-image? Where's your self-confidence? What's it rooted in? It needs to be rooted in our identity, not what other people say about us, but who we really are. It says here, <laughs> Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. He knew where he'd come from God, and he knew he was returning to God. It's the ultimate power statement. Like, talk about self-confidence. You're not shaking me. <laughs> all power has been given to me. I know where I come from, and I know where I'm going. You know what he did with all of that power? He got on his knees and he washed the feet of his disciples. Not only was that a job reserved for slaves, it was a job reserved for the lowest of the slaves. In other words, Jesus is saying, there's nothing underneath me. I love you that much. Of course, later on in the story, Peter says, you're not washing my feet. I know who you are. You're not washing my feet. Well, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part in me. Okay, wash all of me. You don't need all you have had a bath. <laughs> I'm just going to clean your feet. Then he got up and said, do you know what I've done for you? You know, call, you call me teacher. And, and that's right. I've shown you what leadership looks like in the kingdom. I need you to do this for each other. And my friends, that is Christian leadership. That is biblical leadership. That is what Jesus is asking us to do with our power of influence, our power of authority, is to get on our knees and make people great. There's nothing that collectively we shouldn't do to make others great. Church is about making people great. Leadership is about making people great. A couple of definitions of leadership that I love so much is leadership done right is the gift that allows all the other gifts to flourish. It's not about you. It's about other people flourishing, other people becoming who God called them to be. It's not about managing a church. <laughs> it's way bigger than that. That is way too small a goal. 
The other definition I love is that you can tell a great leader not by how many followers they have, but how by how many other leaders they've raised up. Imagine if as a church, we understood leadership in such a way that it was our role to raise up others, to multiply ourselves, our love for Jesus, our love for his church and our love for his mission. Not just doing church well and being good stewards of, of our resources. That's important, but it's not primary. We can be even better than that. We can make people great. One of the things that we realized at St. Benedict Parish when I was working there is we talked a lot about leadership. We talked a lot about, we had leadership summits, but we never defined leadership. <laughs> we were doing this for a long time before we said, hey, what do we mean by leadership? And then we all come and hummed and hawed as if, isn't it obvious? But we couldn't let it roll off our tongue. And we thought, we have a problem. We've been talking about this thing and haven't defined it. So I'm gonna share a definition with you that that is our definition. It's not necessarily the best definition. It wasn't necessarily the right definition. I don't even know if St. Benedict still has this definition, but it certainly worked for us. And I think clarity of terms is a really important part of leadership. And so we said leadership at St. Benedict Parish is answering the call to influence, inspire and equip individuals and teams to form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Jesus Christ. Let's say that again. Leadership here at our parish is answering the call to influence, inspire, and equip both individuals and teams for a purpose. What's the purpose? To form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Jesus Christ. Joyfully, because there's nothing worse than a chronically cranky Christian. It is a bad advertising for the kingdom of God. If you have the Holy Spirit, it should show up on your face. And so chronically cranky people left in positions of influence is a terrible strategy to grow your church and be wildly fruitful and effective. And so for us, that's what the definition of leadership meant. Does that make sense? Do you agree? And if you do, can we reclaim the word leadership? Because if we're going to be the church that God is calling your parish to be, you're going to have to lead it. You know, it's been said that strategy, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> uh, Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. But apparently he also said, leadership eats culture for lunch. So culture eats strategy for breakfast. So all the planning in the world will not overcome the culture in your parish, how people treat one another. And so if you don't get that really right, you have all the best plans in the world and they're going to be useless. And the truth is, sometimes we feel like we're a victim to the culture we inherit as leaders, but we're not. If we start to lead intentionally and well and begin to lead out of a team and create an organizational structure where people are cared for and supported so they can flourish, so they can be great, guess what? We can change the culture of a parish. And I know that's what everybody wants, but we don't know how. It must be led. And it's okay if you're thinking to yourself, well, darn it all, I wasn't trained for this. It's okay, it's not too late. 
It's never too late. And I think what's really exciting is if this makes sense to you, then you can start to go on a journey. And we'd be happy to help if we can help at Huntley Leadership. We'd love to do that. Go to HuntleyLeadership.com, reach out to us. But there are all kinds of organizations that are trying to help people do this right now. And it's so fun. And so often parishes and priests that I lead, they, they compare themselves to other parishes or other priests. It's not helpful. It's not helpful. I remember when Jesus rose from the dead and, and he was talking to Peter. Uh, and remember, Peter denied him three times and he said, Simon, son of whoever, do you love me? So he used his old name, not his nickname. He renamed him Peter. His name before that was Simon. He called him by his old name and referred to him by his father. Talk about distance. Do you love me? You know I love you. Yes, I love you. Simon, son of, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. And he asked him the third time. It's like, oh my gosh. I know I denied you three times. I know I messed up. I know I said I never would leave you and abandon you. And that's exactly what I did. I'm so sorry. But you know I love them even more than you do. Or they, I love you more even more than they do. And then he tells them how the rest of his life's going to be lived out. It's going to be like somebody has a belt tied around your waist and you're being brought here and there. And he turns around and he points at John. He says, what about him? And Jesus looked at him. He says, what difference does it make to you what I do with him? I'm talking to you. My friends, doesn't, don't compare yourself to others. It's not helpful. Who are you? Who does God say you are? Who does your Father in heaven say you are? What's your identity in God? That's what matters. And so there are different types of leaders. There are different types of leadership. And what we need to figure out is who are you? Who are you? And be that guy. Be that girl. Don't try to, you can be inspired by other people, but you're not that other person. So take the pieces that might work for you, but make sure it's built on the foundation of your identity, not somebody else's. It's not helpful. And we have to lead if we're going to change the culture. And we have to change the culture if we're going to have impact because the church is not having impact in our generation all over the world. And we know it. And so leadership is is a thing i remember at one point too people used to say ron um you're a good leader and i did not know what they were talking about sometimes i talk about blind spots and i talk about them as a bad thing the things in your life maybe that you think you're good at and you're not good at that works the other way maybe there's some things in your life that you're good at but you don't know you're good at them and i think that was one of them for me i remember actually a story of being in grade uh, 10 and i was not good in school was it 10 or 11? And Mrs. LaRose was a biology teacher, and I was terrible at those subjects where you had to memorize. I just didn't have the attention span for it. And it was the end of the year. It was the last class, and I'd gotten in trouble a few times in school, uh, in, in her class, sorry for talking too much or what have you. So it was the last class. She said, Ron Huntley and Angie Romke, could you please stay behind? It was the last day of school. I'm thinking, how could I possibly get in trouble on the last day? And by the way, Angie Romke was a model student. So I knew she wasn't in trouble. I had no idea why she would have asked both of us to stay after class. When everybody left, she handed this, these two brochures and she said, I see leadership in you guys. And there's a leadership camp going on this summer. And I think you should talk to your parents about going because your leadership is worth investing in. I was gobsmacked. 
I was not a great student. I found myself in trouble in her class. I was barely getting by. And she saw me as a leader. I thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And so we walked out of that classroom. There was a garbage can right there. I flipped it in. I was so happy I wasn't in trouble. And I went and enjoyed my summer. But I never forgot what she saw in me. I regret not going to that camp looking back. I was too immature and too insecure. But I remember in my early 20s being in university and, and hearing that enough that I said, Lord, if I am a leader, if I have leadership capacity, then I want to use it to glorify and honor you. I give you all of that. And I'm going to stop saying no, and I'm going to start saying yes. But I wanted to glorify you. And so then I started on that journey. I started reading. I started seeking out mentors. I started changing the nature of my prayer. And as I did, how I read scripture started to change. I started to see all kinds of leadership principles in the Bible. And so my friends, wherever you are in the world, and this is why I'm talking to you about this, wherever you are in the world, we are not going to have great churches by just continuing to do church like it's a formula. If our relationship with Jesus Christ isn't transformative, hit the pause button. Search out that encounter with Jesus that's going to change everything. And if you don't know anyone yet who's had that experience, search them out first so that you know what it looks like, tastes like, and smells like. Just like the invitation to this Disciple Shift conference. Come and see, touch, talk to the people who've absolutely had their life transformed and are working together with vision, with their pastor, the leadership team, the, everything else to make disciples. It's unbelievable. And it starts there. It starts with that transformational encounter with Christ. And then beginning to say yes and collaborate and work together. Grow in your understanding of who you are, what it means to lead. Start saying yes to things and learn how to lead like Jesus out of a solid identity that comes from your Father in heaven that can be influenced by some of the things people say, but certainly not the negative things, or if they are negative, then, then reflect on that and, and grow and improve. But my heavens, my friends, we are if we're going to be the church that God's calling us to be, we must reclaim the word leadership, apply it to being helping make others great, and do it in such a way that brings people into a transformational encounter with Jesus and sets them on a journey of discipleship that that creates the kingdom of God in our in our current situation and our current parish. I hope that today's conversation's been helpful. That insight to me was so huge and I hope that impacts seminaries and how seminarians see themselves. Sometimes they just come out of seminary these days and God bless all of you and there, there's a pull uh, to this left or right thinking. It's so unhelpful. It's the wrong conversation. But the seminaries going into the seminary these days are concerned that because they know they're going to have to make a decision. It's like they're being bullied. <laughs> seminary, are you with them? Are you with us? It's like, why is that the conversation? Why are we not a mission? And yes, we're going to have liturgical preferences, but please, let's not make that how we define ourselves. That is a horrible identity. It's not good enough. It's You're way better than that. We're way bigger than that. Why don't we start defining ourselves on the fruitfulness that God wants to have through our influence and leadership? Why don't we start thinking like that? 
because that's what's going to make a difference. And yes, we need to be holy. And, and I'm not saying to, to turn our cheek or, 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 or our eyes away from any of the church's teaching. No, we want to bring the whole thing to life. That's what we did at St. Benedict Parish. And again, not by our own intelligence, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what's happening in St. John, Indiana. You're going to want to have a taste of it. Thank you for listening today. I hope it's been helpful. Have this conversation with people. Disagree with me. Send me comments. I don't know everything. I have strong opinions because I care so much about my faith in Jesus and his Roman Catholic Church. And it's my heart's desire to bring life to you, to bring inspiration to you, to help you dust off whatever's gotten dusty and be great and go to work making other people great. God bless you. And we'll see you next time. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.